0: Thank you for taking the time out of your week to join us for Coastal's online experience. We pray that this message will bring you hope and joy in your life. If you'd like to get to know more about us, please check out our Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to stay connected with you. If this ministry has impacted you in any way, please share your story at mystory@coastalcommunity.tv. Thanks again for spending time with us. Enjoy this week's message. Well, good afternoon. We doing good? And I'm excited to be here the Pompano Campus in South Florida, sunny South Florida, it's uh, it's an honor. I, you have two, uh, probably more than two, but your lead pastors, Pastor TJ and Shayla, are, are just amazing pastors, amazing people. And I don't know if you know this, if you if you give here and, and serve here, uh, you, you're making a difference in Orlando. Uh, I remember coming down and speaking uh, just a few years ago, I think about four years ago now, uh, coming up this summer, and going to lunch with Pastor TJ and Shayla, and they slid across the table, I think the very first check written from another church to our church plant that did not exist yet. And so thank you so much for not only what you're doing here in South Florida, but what you're doing in Orlando, Florida, as well through your generosity and service. I just want to thank you for my church to your church. You have great pastors. I need you to know two things. First of all, I'm a way better CrossFitter than TJ, and so if he ever says anything, the leaderboard is public. You can go look at it. It's not up for debate. It's not subjective. It's objective in actual statistics. Secondly, he's a way better preacher, and so if you're new here or you brought a guest or a friend, I promise you the preaching is going to get better next week, and so come back. And here's some good preaching. If you wanted a personal trainer, I could probably do that for you. My name is Justin I'm Excited to be here. I, I want to talk to you about uh, a topic uh, that's really meant a lot to me. It's really uh, some voices in my life have spoke this and taught me. And it's the topic of honor. Everybody say honor. Honor. Honor is, is something, and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Honor is something that we decide. It's not based on what people deserve, but what we decide. And really, honor is the value that you perceive that people have. How many of you uh, know some different kinds of people? Anybody got any easy people in your life? Just easy to get along with, just kind? A few of you. How many of you have difficult people in your life? That's more hands going up. How many of you are sitting next to a difficult person? Like that, don't raise your hand. Like, we're going to pray for marriages down front. I apologize in advance for ruining your afternoon, whoever that was in the middle, that are now having an argument. I'm just kidding. Um, Honor. Honoring easy people and difficult people because people have value. If honor is the value that we perceive, we need to know that people have infinite value to God. John 3 16 says, For God so loved the easy people, the people that we get along with, the people that that treat us the way we think that we deserve to be treated. No, you got it right the first time. For God so loved the world, the easy ones, the arrogant ones. The rude ones, the negative ones, the critical ones, the world. So, if God loved the world so much, if God honored us, chose us in spite of our sin, how could we choose to treat people and repay evil for evil or rudeness for rudeness? No, we got to choose honor. And I remember when I heard this concept, I, I had a before an after-type experience. you remember the, when you, you saw something for the first time and it, it just changed? Remember back on Facebook a few years ago, it was the dress, like, was it white and gold or blue and black, and like, you saw it, and you're like, oh, I see it, or the uh, uh, illusions, there's things that before you see it and then after you see it, it, it all changes. We love a good before and after. You go to any dentist's office, any doctor's office right now, what do you see? You see HGTV on every single screen. And I don't know about you, but it really, it really makes me mad because I'm not so much of a carpenter. I'm a handyman. I hand the man the tools. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm great at getting lemonade, iced tea. I'm great at Home Depot runs. You want some Chick-fil-A on any day besides Sunday? I'm there. I got it for you. I can hand the man the tools and anything you need to accomplish the task. We love a good before and after. The remodel is so popular right now. We love a good before and after when it comes to fitness, right? We watch the infomercials. You look like this. Seven days later, seven-minute-day abs, you look like this. Two totally different people. Look at the transformation. The problem is the transformation is a different person. Like, it's a different race, gender, and before you had hair, sir, and now you're bald. I don't know what's going on. And we buy it because we love the before and after story. We just love it. You remember before... You were married and asked me, how many married couples do I have it?" Or am I talking to some married couples? If you're not married, it's true. There's before you got married. And then after you got married. It changes. Some things that change. Before you get married, you, you plan date nights, and you actually keep them. After you get married, you're like, hey, you want to go out sometime? No, we got busy, we got schedules, we got work, maybe you have kids. Before and after. Before you got married, you'd plan that date night, and you'd get reservations. Maybe you'd get a card, maybe some flowers. You'd walk out to, to, to go get in the car to go to your destination. Before you got married, you do what? You'd go to the same side of the car because you're going to open the door for her. After you get married... You walk to separate sides of the car because you're like, hey, we've canceled this four times. We're in a hurry. And last time I checked, both of your arms still work. I thought we built this thing on Christ, not chivalry. You're going to be fine. Get in the car. Let's go. It's fine. It's just fine. Before you got married, remember, you'd rent a movie. And you never finish it. If you were holy, it's because the, top, the, uh, the topics of conversation were so enthralling. If you were a little less holy like me, you, you couldn't keep your hands off of each other. So you never finished a movie. After you got married, you still never finish a movie because you're both asleep. <laughs> That's the difference between before and after. One more. Before you got married, you go to a restaurant, maybe the one you, you had reservations with, and, and you're excited and you order. You get appetizers, you get desserts. Babe. You can have anything you want. What's mine is yours. If you don't like yours, my wife always has and always had. We were dating buyer's remorse, and so she'd always look at mine and be like, you, you, you did way better. Before we got married, babe, what's mine is yours. Let's share. I'll have some of yours. You'll have some of mine. <laughs> After we got married... If you bring that hand across this table one more time, you're going back with a fork in it. You teach our kids all the time. It's time for you to learn the process of choices and consequences. You made a choice, live with the consequences. Before and after. I remember before I understood that all people had infinite value, I treated them one way. But can I just tell you, we can't accept the good news of Jesus Christ in our own life. We can't accept the life change that comes with a relationship with him. We can't accept that gift of grace and then not extend grace in the form of honoring people. We've got to honor. We've got to choose honor because God blesses honor and he curses dishonor. So who do we honor? We honor up. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's your first blank. We honor up. Once you to write down the, maybe in the, the, the space beside there, write down the word Submission. To honor up, we have to submit. We submit to what the Bible calls delegated authority, that authority is placed in our life for our protection and for our good. God gives us authority, whether it be in first responders, whether it be police officers, managers, bosses, superiors at work, presidents we voted for and we didn't vote for. Changes every four years, you'll probably lose the next one. We choose honor and hey, church, submission is when we don't agree. It's easy to follow when you agree. That's not submission. We choose to honor up. The second one is we honor around. We honor our peers. The word here is serve. It's called to serve other people. I think peer-level leadership is probably the highest form of leadership because there is no title. There is no asserting yourself over You just lead by serving. And then lastly, we honor down. We choose to honor now. We choose to honor those that maybe work for us, maybe that are children in our home, maybe that have less than us, that we honor everyone because God blesses honor and he curses dishonor. We find this in Genesis 9. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to read a few verses together. Genesis chapter 9. Verses 20 through 24. This is the story of Noah. How many of you remember the story of Noah? Noah in the ark. Maybe you've heard it in church, read it uh, as 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 a kid's story. Maybe you've seen the movie. Not biblically accurate, by the way. Do not watch the movie and think that's what actually happened. Not true. Russell Crowe, great Noah, didn't really happen that way. Go read the Genesis account. Much more factual. Here's, here's the deal. Noah was a cool dude, right? He was righteous. He was holy. He was the only man that God said, I'm going to save Noah. I'm going to destroy everything else. But Noah and his descendants are, are going to be saved. Pretty cool. He, he lived a life worth noticing. He followed God. He built an ark for a few decades He believed God when he said it was going to rain and flood in a time where it had never rained or flooded. Like he was a man of faith, but yet we find him in Genesis 9 in a moment of dishonor, in a moment of shame. And I don't know how much you've read the Bible, but I love that the Bible, inspired by by the Spirit of God, written by God himself, tells stories of men and women that don't have it all together. Because I don't know about you, but I don't have it all together. And we find Noah right here in a moment of weakness. We find him in a moment of shame. Right after the mountaintop, we find him in a, in a shadow or in a, a valley of sin. Take a little time out. Have you ever noticed that sometimes God attacks or sometimes God uh, allows things to happen in such a way and really Satan attacks us in the mountaintop or on the mountaintop, not in the valley? I don't know about you, but sometimes out of my greatest wins come the largest attack. Because Noah built an ark. He saved his family. And it says he goes back to cultivating the ground. I think sometimes when we pray for something long enough, when we seek God long enough, and we get a big win, it's our human nature to begin to take credit for it. And then we fall. That's what Noah does in Genesis 9. Let's read together verse 20 through 24. It says, after the flood, so right after the miracle, Noah began to cultivate the ground And he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine he had made, and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked, went outside, and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan, the son, of Ham. Two brothers chose honor, one brother chose dishonor. Two brothers were blessed, one brother, his descendants were cursed. It's what happens. We need to choose things that God blesses. And I'm just here to tell you today, based on Genesis 9 and countless other examples in Scripture, that God blesses us when we honor people. We've got to choose honor. What happened to Ham? He was cursed. His son Cain and his descendants. If you're a historian, you would say, can that be true? Because the descendants of Ham through Canaan were the Egyptians. They cultivated, they invented a great empire. The Babylonians, the Assyrians, there were some great kings and some great kingdoms that came from the sons of Ham. What does that mean? It means dishonor does not mean you're not going to be successful. It just means that you're not going to be blessed. It means that great things could come from you, but church, can we not pursue great things? Can we pursue God things? Because great earthly kings came from Ham, but the only true king, the king of kings and the lord of lords, came from Shem, the second born son, getting what he didn't deserve, the birthright to become the lineage of Jesus Christ because he chose chose to honor. We've got to choose honor. How do we do it? To honor someone, I'll give you three things if you're taking notes today. To honor someone, we've got to honor them publicly and privately. Ham dishonored publicly. Look at this. In verse 22, it says, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked, went outside, and told his brothers... The moment that he saw his father's shame, the moment that he saw something to point and laugh at, the moment that he saw a moment of weakness, he gathered a crowd and he, he made a spectacle of his father. He dishonored him publicly. Do we do that? I think the answer is, is yes. We dishonor publicly. We, we do it in the form of gossip, right? Maybe we don't say it, but we post it. Or maybe we, 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 we disguise it in the Christian terms of we're just praying for so-and-so hey we call everybody we know and we say we should be praying for them the problem is ain't nobody praying like nobody's nobody's praying for the the problem nobody's praying for the struggle we're just talking about it and we dishonor publicly but we also do it privately here's the best test of all and I'm just here to tell you this one has really convicted me over the past few weeks as I began to study this topic in detail how do you talk about people privately With your spouse, with your closest friends. Ham was cursed. His dishonor was cursed. He told his brothers, like his inner circle, like those closest to him. How are you talking about people? Here's what it looks like. How many of you read the newspaper? Four. Great. How many of you ever heard of a newspaper? Okay, great. The illustration will work just fine. You know, when you got a newspaper, what was on the front page, right? It was breaking news. Like the, the cover story was the most important story. Kids, it wouldn't be on the, the ticker on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. Breaking news. When well, the former newspaper, the newspaper used to release these stories, and every once in a while, nowadays, it's getting more and more frequent, they would make some mistakes. So they would announce with front-page proclamation, with front-page news, this disaster or this fall of this great man or woman, or this, this scandal that was breaking. Front page news for everybody to read. And if they were wrong, if they missed it, if there were some details, let's not let the facts get in the way. If the facts were wrong, what they would do, what they still do, is what? They issue a back page retraction. Front page news with the bad, wrong news, back page retraction with the truth. That's what our gossip does in the local church. When you have a problem with another small group leader, when you have a problem with another team leader, when you have a problem, well, let's just say Pastor TJ or Shayla, you have a problem with them and you announce it on Facebook. You post about it on Instagram. You talk about it with your spouse or your kids. You shout it to your friends. Front page news with the drama. Front page news with the facts. Here's what will happen. Most of the time, restoration will take place between small group leaders, between friends, between you and a pastor or a leader. The problem is is that dozens and hundreds of people now, the, the front page news has spread of the gossip and the drama and the criticism and the negativity and your back page retraction of restoration never gets to the same people. So now you're fine with the church and you're fine with your leaders, but now other people have the wrong perception of people you actually love and care about because you've announced your dishonor with front page gossip. It works with church I hear it with spouses all the time. They talk about their spouse to their girlfriends or out on the golf course and they complain and they never go back and celebrate or affirm. And now we have all of these people that have the wrong perception of those closest to us. Be careful with your words. You're honoring or you're dishonoring with how you speak about other people. It's choose and decide to honor publicly and privately. The second thing I want you to write down comes out of verse 22 and 23 as well. Is we need to cover weaknesses. To honor someone, we must cover weaknesses. Let's read this together, verse 23. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. He's in a dishonorable state. He's shameful. He's living in sin. He's drunk and naked in a tent. And they put robes over their shoulders and they backed into the tent to cover their father's nakedness, to cover their father's sin, to cover their father's shame. He was in a moment of weakness. He was making some mistakes. I don't know if you're like me, but I have a past full of mistakes. And just to be honest, I hope it's not today, but I probably have a present and a future full of mistakes as well. I make it a personal goal for nobody to ever find me drunk, naked, in an attempt. Come well, on, some of y'all didn't laugh at that, and that's the best I got. Like, I thought about it as I was preparing. I was like, that's witty. It's off the cuff. It's from Scripture. They're going to love it. We're going to have a moment. We're only going to go up from there. And you missed it, and now it's all downhill. But can I just tell you, I don't know you well enough. Courtesy last will do. You can just, <laughs> I can't tell from here. It's a little dark up there. It's a little brighter up here. Let's just, you missing it. I can see you, by the way. you were. Growing up, I thought the pastor couldn't see me. I could see you. And I'm judging you right now, just like you're judging me. Honor. Choose honor. I'm choosing to honor you. You choose to honor me by laughing later at a really funny moment. Deal? Come on, 1150. That's funny. Thank you. That's called pity applause if you're new. I really appreciate that, too. Choose to cover. We're going to make mistakes. In this context, at your church, at Coastal, your pastors are going to make mistakes. There's going to be weaknesses. And you can you can criticize and expose, or you can put a robe on, you can back in, and you can cover. You can say things like, I wish we did this, and I wish they called, and I wish they took better care, and I wish that we started this and we ministered to this people. Or you can get off the sidelines, you can put your critical clipboard down and pick up something to actually work with, to cover with, and use your gifts and with the same passion that you criticized, be the same passion that you serve faithfully to cover the weaknesses. Of course we have weaknesses because you haven't filled them. It's the body of Christ and you're not playing your part yet. Cover the weaknesses you can expose or you can cover. In every situation, this is 100% true. You can point out their worst or you can speak to God's best, but you can't do both. They already know where they are. I know my insecurity and I know my weaknesses. I don't need you to remind me. I need you to call out my potential and who I can be. I need you to cover me. You need spouses and you need friends, and we need to be those spouses and be those friends and be those church members that cover weaknesses, Let's choose to cover. Lastly, if you're taking notes, we honor publicly, we honor privately, we cover. And lastly, honor. To honor someone, you have to be genuine. You have to be genuine. It's not just lip service. It's not just an attitude. It should, our attitude and our, our, our heart should lead to action. Let's close out this, this passage together. The last half, verse 23. It says, they covered their father, and as they did this, they looked the other way. So they would not see him naked. So here's the here's the deal. They backed into the tent, robe covering their shoulders. They backed in to cover, honoring publicly for everybody to see. We're we're honoring our Father. We're honoring his his who he is and his title and his place in our life for making a decision. It would have been so easy when they got. Beyond public view, when they got inside the tent, or actually most scholars believe it would have been a cave, when they got into the shadows of the cave, it would have been easy to point and laugh. It would have been easy to turn around and look at their father's shame. But the Bible clearly says they looked the other way because their honor wasn't just for other people to see. Their honor wasn't just a posture of their heart. Their honor was an action that they lived out. They honored Jesus. Not because Noah deserved it, because they decided Can we just decide to honor people? Can we just decide to begin to call out their potential and what God could do? Can we see them the way that God sees them? I just need to let you know, as a pastor, I don't always get this right. It's about three weeks ago now. I was traveling and speaking somewhere in an airport. Had a layover, stopped at a Starbucks, a little caffeine, ordered a blonde roast. And they said, uh, we're out. We only have Pike's Place. I don't even know why anybody would drink Pike's Place, personally. Uh, so I said, I'm not drinking that. Um, I would like a blonde roast. She said, well, I'm going to have to do a pour-over. I said, sounds great. She says, that'll take 11 minutes. Awesome. I have two hours. <laughs> not in a hurry. You would have thought I asked her to kill somebody she loved or find a million dollars. Like, it was literally, she was rude, arrogant, critical, <laughs> negative, all of it. And I found myself walking away, saying to my friends that were traveling with me, can you believe how she just treated us? Can you believe the way that she talked to us? Can you believe her? And I remember the Spirit of God saying, Justin, you're asking the right question, but in the wrong tone. He reminded me that hurting people hurt people. And that that filter and that persona and that that person she's projecting in that moment is not because she wants to be rude or angry because she's hurting and she's dealing with something and the overflow of that is her being difficult to deal with. And he says, you're not hurt. You've been set free. You've been saved. You've been freed from your past. Can you stop repaying hurt for hurt and rudeness for rudeness? If hurting people hurt people, then healed people should help. And quit asking, can you believe her? Change the tone. Can you believe what she must have gone through this morning? Can you believe the relationship that maybe she just lost? Can you believe the pain and the depth of heartache that somebody has to go through to treat people that way? And then what we don't do is we don't judge them or give them back. We begin to ask them, are you okay? We stop asking, what's your problem? We ask, hey, what's the problem? Because there's something here. And I just need you to know that God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And I was just wondering if I could pray for you right now. In the story in Genesis 9, we find Noah in the shadows of a cave. In the moment of sin and shame. A couple chapters earlier, we find him gazing at a rainbow for the very first time. The promises of God. The promises that God has for his life that said, I'm never going to destroy the earth again. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for your descendants. And yet we find him in the shadows. Coastal Church, can we be people that meet those difficult people in the shadows of their sin and mistakes, and we remind them of the rainbows of God's promises for their life. Let's be healed people that help people. To do that, let's honor publicly and privately. Let's cover, don't expose. And let's genuinely love people enough to meet them where they are and point them to where they could be.